Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I'm so happy and grateful to have Gary Smith with us here today. With the release of his latest book, Purpose Driven Achievement, Gary Smith is on a mission to help people discover and achieve their unique and very special purpose in life. With over 45 years experience in the business world, including 22 years as an entrepreneur and business owner, Gary has discovered the major key, not just to success, but to that of happiness and fulfillment in life. And he shares this key with audiences around the world. Join Gary for a time of inspiration, education, as he helps you understand the power of purpose. Gary, welcome and thank you so very much for being here. Oh, Jesse, it's absolutely a pleasure to be with you. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Me too. And I have to tell you all, so Purpose Driven Achievement. I've read this book and I actually read it through once and I reread it again briefly to just review my notes. It is such a great, succinct book on purpose and really tapping into the magic of what purpose does and how it can show up in your life. And I am such a huge fan of purpose that I purposely wore my Captain America t-shirt today because I think Captain America is the embodiment of the superhero who is very clearly purpose and mission driven. And he's the one that's able to do extraordinary things. He's always been my most favorite superhero simply because of that. And yeah, Gary, I'm excited to have this purpose conversation with you today. And let's start off with just, and I'll also share this too. I've been kind of, I've been looking at wordsmithing my purpose. I think it's evolved in such a way that I've been thinking of ways to tighten it up and evolve it. And I have to say, Gary, going through your book, I got some clarity on what that new iteration of it was that just helped it really make sense. And I I just want to thank you for that. And let's start off with just purpose for folks and defining what it is and why it is so important for people to have purpose in life. Well, I think that purpose is the answer to the question, why am I here? I firmly believe that God didn't put us on this planet just to occupy space and suck up oxygen. Uh, And I think that as we dig into it, we'll find that there are probably two purposes that people have. One is a general purpose. I think we would all agree that we're all here on this planet to be able to not only live a life that's enjoyable and hopefully fulfilling, but to add value and to leave the world a little bit better than we found it. But I think that there's a specific purpose that each one of us has, and that comes at the intersection of three things. It's number one, looking at what are my passions and what my interests are in life. The second thing is looking and evaluating what gifts and what skill sets have I accumulated thus far in my life, and then how do those come together into something where I can add meaningful value to the world. And for me, purpose is so important and so foundational because If we don't have a purpose, what do we anchor ourselves to? We just sort of float through life. And when we have situations, as you and I were talking about earlier, Jesse, where a thing like a pandemic hits, we just get blown away. But if we have a solid purpose that we've defined, we know why we're here, we know what we're trying to accomplish, we have something to ground ourselves on to help us get through all of the storms that we're going to face in life. And that's why I think it's so incredibly important. We were talking about, from our individual observations, Gary, beforehand, about one of the struggles that we've experienced people through this pandemic time is there's this lack of clarity, lack of certainty oftentimes from leadership. And that also shows up often in one's own life. They're not quite sure about 
why they're here, what the meaning, greater meaning of life, greater purpose of their business, why they're going to work is. And one of the beautiful things about purpose for folks is it can give them that clarity and certainty, especially at times when it seems so uncertain and there's such a lack of clarity. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And, and as you said, you know, people are looking to leaders now for certainty. And as we discussed before, we, we can't give that to them because we don't know what's coming next. We don't know what the next phase of the pandemic is gonna be. We don't know what the next phase of the political life in our country is going to look like. But what we can do is help them get clarity. And the clarity says, based on where we are and what we know right now, here's what we're going to do. And then as the situation changes and as we learn more and we experience more, we'll, we'll adjust our course. And I think that ties back to, to purpose because depending on where you are and what you're experiencing in your life, you may have a core purpose, but that purpose is going to express itself in different ways. Uh, so as an example, I mean, even if we take out all of the factors that we've gone through in 2020, and we just look at a normal life, I can have a purpose in life to accomplish something, but I'm going to express that purpose differently when I'm in my 20s, just starting out my career, than I am when I'm in my 60s now, uh, you know, it, it's still the same purpose, but how I go about expressing it, how I combine my skills and my abilities to achieve that purpose is going to be different. And so we have to be sensitive to that. But I'm finding that those people who do have clarity, who do have a purpose and who know why they're here and what they're doing uh, emotionally are doing extremely uh, better than those who don't have a purpose. Gary, can you expand a little bit on the discussion about the evolution of purpose and how we express it? And this is a really interesting topic because I've, I've had conversations recently with folks who are in that, who are in this almost life transitory space. And it's, it's what they've always done to derive meaning seems to not be working in the same capacity it was before. And they, they have this direction that they feel like they've always been, they've always been, they've always felt they're supposed to follow, but now it's shifted. And whether that's because of the external world or just whatever is going on for them, I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more about the evolution of purpose and how we can, you know, perhaps explore evolving our purpose or how we can, how we can begin to lean into examining what an evolution of purpose might look like for us. Okay. I think that, and you're right, there are a lot of people who have, who have a purpose and they've been using their current pursuits in life, you know, as a career as an example, to be able to achieve that purpose. But then the pandemic comes along and the company that they're working for goes under and all of a sudden they're out in the marketplace trying to find work, not quite sure what to do, maybe not, maybe for several months they've, they've had no employment and so the stress is setting in and we tend to focus on the stress rather than looking at life from the standpoint of, okay, there's been a shift here. How do I, how do I move forward from here? Um, and I, uh, one of the best examples I have uh, is the gentleman who was the, and I can't remember his name, I apologize, but he was the CEO of Longhorn Steakhouse. And when the pandemic hit, they had something like 535 stores around the world that they shut down. And afterwards, he sat back and said, okay, how, how do we deal with this? I and mean, I can't let all of these people just go. We've laid off you know, thousands of people. How, do we, how, does, how does this business survive? What do we do? How do we move forward? 
And he finally began looking at things like in the warmer, where we have warmer climates, we can dine outside and still be socially distanced appropriately. We can offer takeout. We've never had takeout before, but we can offer takeout food. Mm. And they even got to a point of saying, you know, hey, if you want to cook your meat at home, we'll sell you the beef. You know, just come and pick it up. And, and I think that's sort of the mindset that we have to have because it's very, very natural for us as humans to look to the negative side of things and sort of say, oh, woe is me, I don't know what to do. And, and we sort of become that downward spiral rather than looking at life and saying, you know what? It is what it is. It's neither good nor bad. It's just the circumstance that I find myself in right now. How can I repurpose how can I repurpose the skills that I have? How can I add value in a different area? And sometimes it's just being willing to take the time and grab a pencil and paper and sit down and just crunch the stuff out. And if you have people, uh, this is one of the values that I think coaches have of going to a coach and saying, listen, this is what I'm struggling with. And it's not that I, as a coach, I'm going to have the answers for you, but I know the questions to ask. Mm. And, I, and I know when to take excuses and when to push you to dig deeper, because really that's what it's all about. If you're going to survive and you're going to thrive going into the future, those people who survive and thrive are those who are willing to deep dig and uh, dig deep and do the hard work now. What I'm hearing too, Gary, from you is, is that example of the CEO of Longhorn Steakhouse is an example what separates him from others who may not have the purpose is, is if I was to hypothesize a purpose for him, it might be something like to, to create the most incredible dining experience possible for their patrons. And with somebody with that, now all of a sudden a pandemic happens, you have this thing happen, shuts down your stores, you, you have all these employees. And when you're operating from a perspective of purpose, now you're making decisions that are in alignment with that purpose. So the question becomes, not necessarily just what do we do, but the question becomes, how do I still, how do I still fulfill and honor this purpose? What would that look right. like? Right. And then, so then it becomes this, oh, well, we could do outdoor dining. We could do takeout. We could do cook your own steak at home. Here's some of our best recipes. And all of a sudden you start to have these creative evolutions of that purpose that you wouldn't have had otherwise, if you didn't have that initial purpose to use as a North star for asking a question. That, that's absolutely right. I think, Jesse, you hit the nail on the head right there, that rather than looking at it and saying, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? The question then shifts and becomes, how do I continue to fulfill my purpose within the framework of current circumstances? And oh, by the way, I don't know is not an acceptable answer. Gary, talk to us about choice. In the book, you talk about choices and how we're all making choices all the time and that most of our choices are unconscious. And I, I would love to just chat about this for a minute or two, because I think that, and you were alluding to this earlier, we're all making choices all the time. And oftentimes where I see most people get stuck in business, relationship, their own life, whether it's their health, their fitness, whatever that is, is they arrive at this fork in the road where they feel like they are choiceless that there's not a lot of choice. And even the dialogue, again, we'll use the pandemic as an example. Everything was going great until the pandemic. And now I don't really have a lot of choices. So can you just like, talk to us about choice and how it correlates to purpose? Well, I think that uh, I actually in my book have created a model that talks about that, about how uh, choices drive us to take action action produces results and the results that we, that we create have an impact. 
And sometimes that impact is just on us, sometimes it's on other people, sometimes it's on both. But so many of the choices that we make, we're just on autopilot. And one of the examples I give is that um, I get up in the morning and I come down to my kitchen to make breakfast. And I have a choice to make. I have a choice between a heart healthy bowl of oatmeal and a leftover Boston cream donut from last night. <laughs> you know, if I choose to eat that Boston cream donut and I make those kinds of choices on a fairly regular basis, it's going to have some decidedly negative impacts. I'm going to, you know, going to get uh, fat. Uh, I'm going to lose energy. I may get type 2 diabetes, whatever the case may be. And that, that is going to have not only a negative impact on me, but it's going to have a negative impact on my family. But so much of the time, we're not even aware of the choices we make. You know, we, uh, I remember uh, Tony Robbins talking about uh, how we, you know, get up in the morning and we, you know, we're in our box house and we get in our box car and we drive to our box office and we do our work and we drive our box car home and we, you know, and we eat a box dinner and then just for a change of state, we sit down and have a cylinder. You know, and, and, and it's really, really powerful when we think about things like that because we live 80 or 90% of our lives on autopilot and we've got yeah. to stop doing that. Uh, and, and for those people who, who feel like they don't have any choices, there's always a choice. You just have to discover what the choices are and, and do your best to, you know, to make the choices that you, that you should be making. And that sort of triggers an, uh, maybe another discussion, Jesse, and that is what is driving choice? Mm. Because a lot of times I see people who will they're not producing the results that they want. We're not having the impact that they want to have. So they go back and they try to change their choices. And that may work in the short term, but in the long term, it doesn't. What we really need to do is go back to the foundation of choices. And that is, what are our core beliefs? What is it that I really believe? Because the, the core beliefs, the core values that I have in my life are what really are driving me and driving all the decisions that I make. One of the things, speaking of choices, Gary, one of the things that I... I really appreciated reading so much in your book, Purpose Driven Achievement, was you talked about your, the choice you make to do your daily thinking ritual. And, and you can, I'll let you elaborate on it, but it was essentially, if I'm remembering correctly, you, you go down, you spend some time, you have a piece of paper and you essentially spend, I think, 20, 30 minutes thinking about problems that you want to solve, thinking about ideas. And I want to just offer you the opportunity to expand on that. Why do you do that? And what benefit comes from making a daily choice to think? And I, and I also think that this is so relevant because culturally it's almost we're making the shift into a reactionary society. We see something, whether it's a graph or it's a political post or it's somebody's sounding board on social media and we're not really necessarily thinking that through. We're just feeling an emotion and we're taking our feelings and turning them into facts accepting that initial emotional response as the gospel. And then we go and we create a reality based on that knee-jerk emotional response. And so I'm wondering, where's the value in really staying time, making a daily habit, making a daily choice around thinking and, and thinking about problems you want to solve? Well, I think that we underestimate the power of the human mind. Um, you know, our minds are, as Earl Nightingale used to say, our minds are veins of pure gold. And yet we spend precious little time digging there and, and mining the gold that, that exists there. And that's one of the things that I found. I started 
doing this practice about 25 years ago. And I usually, I get up in the morning before anybody else in the house is up and I make a pot of coffee and I sit here in my office and, uh, and grab a clean sheet of paper and I write one problem, just one problem uh, that I'm trying to solve on the top of that page. And I try to come up with at least 20 things that I can do to solve that, uh, to solve that problem. And I spend an hour doing that. And when I first started doing it, it was almost sort of discouraging because most of the ideas I came up with weren't any good. <laughs> you know, and, and, and yet what happened was, is that I began to understand that we have two minds. We have our finite mind and we have our subconscious mind. And our subconscious mind is not bounded by time and space the way our finite mind is. And what happens when you start doing that focused thinking, you start putting that energy uh, into it, you pass that problem over the barrier to your subconscious mind. And what I discovered after doing this for several months is that as I was going about my normal daily activities, some really good ideas would start to pop into my head. And where they were coming from, I had no idea. But all of a sudden, I would start coming up with better ideas and I could write them down, take action on them. And, and that is what has really driven me a lot in the achievement of my purpose for the last 25 years is just really saying, okay, over this next six months, what is it that I really want to achieve? And how do I go about doing it? How can I help people find their purpose? How can I continue to develop the thought process along with that? And, and by focusing in on that, I continually get I guess what you'd call revelations about things that I can do differently or things that I can do better or new things that I can do. So it's a very, very powerful tool if, if people will use it. One of the things that I recall reading in the book, Gary, was talking about that many of us will self-sabotage our path to success. And specifically, one of the primary ways we self-sabotage ourselves is by not asking for help. We withhold asking for help. So can you talk about why is it that, why do we first of all withhold asking for help when it's, it's such a critical piece to becoming successful? And for those who are listening, watching right now, who have notoriously been people who have been hesitant to ask for help, uh, and I, I'll put my hand up with this too. For much of my career, I have struggled with the asking for help because I carried the proverbial chip on my shoulder that I had to do it all alone. And that, that's what would define me as a man. And that, you know, guys are supposed to have it all solved. And, you know, whatever, whatever excuse to not ask for help that there was, I would probably use it at some point. And I know it cost me dearly in things that I could have done, I could have grown in, in every aspect of my life, whether it was relationships, whether it was just self-relationship and in my business. So can you talk a little bit about asking for help? It's interesting that you have postured that the way you have, Jesse, because about 80% of the clients that I have are women. Hmm. Women are not afraid to ask for help. Men are. We're, notor we're notorious for thinking that we have to live life in isolation, uh, that we're the ones who are responsible for solving problems. And if we are unable to do that, uh, you know, then you know, and we have to ask for help. It's almost like we see ourselves as being less rather than being more. And, and I think the other thing too is that men are very sensitive about being judged. 
Uh, and that's one of the things that I try to communicate with people as a coach. You know, my, my, my job as a coach is not to criticize anything. It's to point to reality and to say it is what it is. You know, you know, I'm not making any judgments about right, wrong, good, bad, and different. Let's just realize that where you are is reality. Let's understand that clearly, because until we do that, we can't plot a path forward. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, I think that one of the comments I make to people is that even coaches need coaches. I mean, I'm a coach. I've been a coach for 22 years now. I have three coaches, uh, people that I tap into on a regular basis. You know, I have, you know, one who helps me with strategy. One, you know, one is an accountability partner and the other is just a general friend that I can talk to and, and we can talk openly about things that I'm struggling with. You know, and I think that a lot of times people will, you know, will look at us and say, well, gee, you're supposed to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I got all the questions, but my job is not to tell you what to do. My job is to help you discover what you should be doing. And ultimately, I'm just going to ask the questions. You're the one who has to answer the questions. And so when they, if men can get over the hurdle and realize that, when they're engaging a coach, you're not engaging someone who's going to look at you and say, you're stupid, this is what you need to do. They're gonna, they're gonna be working with someone who's gonna come alongside them as a friend, as a mentor, to understand the situation that they're in and to help them process the information. And ultimately, when we do that, all of us wind up being better people. We, be, we become more capable, we add more value, uh, and so I think that, that we just have to fundamentally change our mindset about how we look at this stuff and realize that, you know, just like going to the doctor when you're sick, you know, there's, there's no shame in going to your doctor if you're not feeling well. Well, there's no shame in going to a coach when you need help. It, it, that shame thing is such an interesting word because it is, it's, it's so interesting on how we will define our ability by Oh, if I don't have the answer, then I'm not this. And therefore, then I feel this, I feel shame instead. And how many, I do some, I do some mentorship, Gary, for widowers, for men who have lost their spouses. And what's incredibly fascinating about these men is, is how deeply they struggle with this piece. And mm. then in so doing, they're wrestling with that shame, often with shame and guilt at a much more deeper and more intimate level and many of them struggled to even vocalize and, and stammer out a, a, how do we say it, a messy ask for help because they are so stuck in wrestling with those emotions and the identity they have attached to those emotions of what mm. it means to be a man, of what it means to be a problem solver, what it means to be a provider, what it means to be a you to have all the answers and then ultimately arrive at a place where they didn't have the ultimate answer. And I, I and I guess this in leads to an interesting question. <clears throat> One of the things I found that folks have struggled with in the area of purpose is many of them will attribute purpose and maybe not intentionally, they don't intentionally define a purpose like you're advocating for in your book, but they will attribute purpose to their role or their identity. So I, I'm a parent and I'm a purpose. And then what happens, you have your parent for 18 years, kids grow up, they go off to school. And all of a sudden that purpose that you biologically kind of kicked in 
which was about clothing the child, raising the child, making the child a self-sufficient human. Now they're off. And then all of a sudden here you are, you're in your forties, your fifties, wherever that is. And then what's left? Life's in front of you. So maybe we can speak to those folks a little bit about if you're at a space right now where you've allowed your biology to define your purpose and maybe you haven't put it into succinct words, how might they expand or evolve their purpose to have it become more than just an identity piece? I think there's a couple of things that, that we can do there. One is to realize that in your example as a parent, uh, my purpose is not in being a parent. That's just how my purpose is expressing itself right now. And mm. that is in creating, you know, creating human beings who are going to uh, grow up and become meaningful members of society and contribute value to that society. So I think that's one thing we can sort of reframe that and realize that, you know, yes, that's how my purpose is expressing itself right now, but it is not my purpose. The, the second thing that we can do is to look long-term and not short-term. And that's where Stephen Covey's comment about begin with the end in mind. You know, what is it that we really want our life? Because we, you know, let's face it, we all get busy. We all get caught up in the, in the day-to-day stuff at life. And so we're busy right here in front of ourselves and we're not looking beyond, beyond that. And that's why uh, in the book and in one of the classes that I have taught in the past, I challenge the students to go to the end of your life. Imagine yourself being 90 years old, uh, you know, and not just think about it intellectually, but visualize yourself at 90 years old. What are you going to look like? What are you going to feel like? And then imagine yourself being terminally ill. Your doctor has just left your bedside. You've got less than 24 hours to live. At that point in time, as you look back on your life, what are the things you are going to be important to you? Uh, as an example, what, what things have you accomplished in your life that you're most proud of? What are some of the things that you've done in your life that you wish you hadn't done? And as you begin to ask yourself those kinds of questions and begin to probe that, you begin to find the threads of who you are as a human being and what's really, really important to you in life. And then you can take those things and you can weave them together into the tapestry that, you know, to your, uh, the, the initial statement on your website, you know, the time is now to build your amazing future. And it starts with that foundation of purpose, but looking long-term and realizing, you know, being a parent, uh, you know, even, even in the working world, you know, doing the job that I'm doing right now is not my purpose. It's how my purpose expresses itself. Mm. And maybe, you know, and, and maybe what I'm doing now is I'm just doing it so that I can provide financially for my family, but that's just a step to another step to another step. So we really have to look long and, and, and look to that longer purpose and then realize that as we talked about before, depending on where we are in life, what phase of life you're in, that, that purpose is going to express itself in different ways. Gary, before I ask my final question, where can people find and connect with you? Uh, the best place to find me is uh, at www.garymiddleinitiallsmith.com, garylsmith.com. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, it's at Gary L. Smith, LLC. Uh, and on Instagram, it's uh, Gary underscore L underscore Smith. 
so I welcome people to check it out. Uh, if they have any questions uh, or anything that they'd like to discuss, just reach out to me. I'm here. I'm more than happy to help. Gary, I, I know we had talked before and you had started working on this book prior to the pandemic and then you, you worked through it through the pandemic. And I believe this is your second book you've published this year. There was one in March and then this one now too. Is that correct? Uh, uh, no, this is actually the, uh, the only book I published this year. I have, uh, I have three other books uh, that I published. My last one prior to this one was in 2013. Okay. Okay. And we were talking about just the, what kind of drives behavior? What is that is the, the secret sauce to purpose? And I'm wondering for you, do you have a, do you have an avatar that you focus on that becomes an embodiment or a representation of your purpose when you find yourself in a place where you're trying to focus on, you know, maybe getting however many words written or, or meeting a deadline or something like that. Do you have something that you've created inside of you or in your mind that is the perfect representation of purpose that you can visually connect with, that you can just kind of ignite those emotions that you have attributed to purpose? I, I think the, the way I would respond to that, Jesse, is to say that, you know, as a Christian, my focus is on God. Mm. I rely upon him for everything. And so, uh, everything that I do, whether it's looking for uh, motivation when it comes to writing uh, or trying to, to solve problems, uh, not only am I seeking to use God as a resource, but I always ask myself, you know, if, if God was in this situation, what would he do? Because he's the, for me anyway, he is the ultimate source of, of wisdom and understanding. And, uh, and as, I, as I do that, I just sort of recommit myself to doing the things that are right and to, to keep pushing forward. Everyone, my goodness, is this gonna be one you wanna dive into, rewatch and re-listen. Gary shared with us probably the secret sauce to unlocking your ultimate potential and 10 to 20 to 30 X in your life, and that is purpose and finding and deciding on a purpose. I love that he talked about our purpose can evolve and expand and how we express our purpose, that distinction of expression of purpose can change as we go through life. I know I've personally struggled with different times where I feel like I have a clear sense of purpose, but it doesn't feel like what I'm doing in that time is the full expression of it and giving ourselves permission to allow it to expand. Gary touched on about asking for help and allowing ourselves to release some of the strangleholds that shame may have on us for asking for help, especially if you're a man and being opening the door for asking for help. And for women too, he was talking about 80% of his clients being women, women who are already really well versed in asking for help. This is a skill set that you can help the men in your life develop by gently nudging them and creating opportunities to ask for help. We talked about core values and core beliefs that will drive our behavior and the power of choice and how we're all making these unconscious choices all the time. And that by recognizing we have choice, that we can start to choose decisions, choose to take actions that are more action-oriented with our purpose. He gave the wonderful example of the CEO of the steakhouse and how forced to shut down, business forced to shut down by, by the pandemic, that he was able to make a choice that was in alignment with his purpose. And that choice allowed the business to evolve in ways that had never evolved before offering takeout, offering service, service outside in socially distanced way, offering an opportunity for customers to come take, pick up the meat and cook it at home. 
And I think that's one of the really unique things about purpose is when we have a purpose, a North Star in our life, it really does give us a guiding place, something to help us focus on amidst all the noise. Last, and I think one of my favorite parts of this interview was, was Gary sharing his thinking routine. Taking the time to just grab a simple piece of paper, write down one big problem or what, that you're trying to solve, and all the ideas that go in with it, and he would devote an hour to it, and initially there wasn't a lot of great stuff that came from that. But by leaning into the process, he was able to come up and formulate some of his best ideas and his best solutions to those problems. And there's two things to take away from that. Number one, how important it is for you to, as Earl Nightingale said, mind the gold that is your mind. But number two is lean into the processes, lean into the, the decisions you decide to make. Oftentimes in this world where we're looking for instant gratification, we're always avoiding pain because mm. pleasure is so abundant. When you first try something out, it will not likely go in the way you want. You are probably not going to win a Grammy with your first song you record. You are probably not going to be in the NBA bound the first time you go pick up a basketball. But what you will find is that if you continue to commit to the process of it, commit to the process of a daily thinking, then you will start to mine through the rock and finally uncover the gold. Gary, this has been such an incredible opportunity to spend this time with you. Thank you so very much for being here with us. Again, everyone, it's Purpose Driven Achievement by Gary Smith. You can find it online. You'll see the links here in the, in the notes and on, online. I highly recommend it. It was a great read and an excellent companion guide for what it means to have purpose and using it in your business and life. Gary, thank you so much. Uh, Jesse, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for being so gracious and having me on today. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everybody, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to